met him in a swamp down in Dagobah Where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda S-O-D-A soda I saw the little wren sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y-O-D-A Yoda Yo 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 Welcome to Movie Left, a Move Left Idiots podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo. I'm joined here by my co-host, uh, Comrade Duku. Comrade, what's going on? That's, that's right. He was, uh, wasn't was Christopher Lee Dracula yeah. at one point? That, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you got it right away. That was good. He kind of, I mean, that character kind of was a sort of a Count Dracula-ish kind of a theme character as a, already, but. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Hey, so what uh, movie were you reviewing this week? I don't even know what we were going to do. So yeah, uh, thanks for joining us this week. We are going to be reviewing uh, the 2017 uh, Ryan Johnson film, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. Raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Let the past die. Kill it. If you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. That sounded kick-ass. I want to see that I movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I want to. They do a that. great job with with uh, like taking old like old scores from the movie and just really like kind of jazzing them up and making them even more kind of epic. You know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I did see that movie, and it felt like it was very different than that trailer. <laughs> there was a big middle section that uh, they didn't put in the trailer for some reason. I don't know. <clears throat> so we'll get into that, but um, what are your overall thoughts on the movie? Uh, you know, kind of your, you, and you maybe just briefly let's talk about our kind of experiences with Star Wars in general, or our fandom, or our level of fandom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was always a bigger Trek fan because I felt like Trek was kind of, you get those gray areas of humanity, whereas Star Wars is always like good versus evil, it's the Bible, it's the, you know, the space opera, whatever. Uh, and then these last ones have had more of that nuance of, um, you know, playing with like the, the gray side of the forest, you know, so Mm -hmm. I, I think they're better. Um, I think the Rogue One one that they did that, uh, Gareth Edwards did was the best as far as the tone um, this one with Ryan Johnson, it's like he brought back kind of the stupid goofiness of the prequels a little bit in ways that were cringeworthy. Um, but the main plot, which is Luke and Ray, um, you just want to see more of it. You're like, I don't want to see a B plot or a C plot. I just want to see this. And I feel like they could have done that or they could have had it be way more of the movie. Um, but I also feel like the, you know, the idea of when you have complete total, uh, empire, uh, imperialism, militarism—they're basically, you know, they're they're space—they're fighting the space Nazis, right? You know, and there's yeah. never any discussion of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't blow up the Death Star because that you're just resorting to violence, and that's then you just become the like nobody ever said shit like that back in World War II. It was like, no, we're just going to kill all the Nazis because they're fucking Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you run into people nowadays, and they go, well, that's just a fantasy. We don't we don't do those things in real life. Well. Uh, you know, empires and Nazis aren't a fantasy. And in real life, the way that those people had to be dealt with was by destroying them and blowing up their Death Star. Uh, and it's weird when people kind of like, they, they don't see the connection that you have to do that sometimes when you have that level of, of evil. Um, so I guess that that's kind of the... Yeah, I'm always interested when Star Wars touches on the real-world politics of something because... Um, people that say, well, I don't like it when it gets political. It's like, no, you just didn't notice when it was political before because you were a little kid and you're not smart enough to pick up on new themes and something when you watch it again. And, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately people that don't want to see politics in it just don't understand what politics is or or they have uh, just very right-wing politics and don't like when anything is overtly uh, liberal or left-wing in their entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I have a lot of stuff about the kind of backlash against this film. Um, just, you know, in terms of my fandom with Star Wars, I think I've always, oh, I was definitely always more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. Um, I just never, you know, it's just one of those things, you, if you don't really kind of watch it when you're younger, you don't really get into it or, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I've always been really into the uh, the films, the the book series, all the EU stuff I read a lot when I was younger. Um, I was, you know, I kind of came of age right as the prequels were coming out, which was kind of a blessing and a curse for a Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because, <clears throat> uh, was I 11 years old, I guess, when Phantom Menace came out? Um, and, you know, to an 11-year-old, that was great, that movie. Um, then you go back and watch it, you know, a couple of years later, and by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, and I'm, like, in mm-hmm. high school, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a fucking piece of shit, although it's better than the other two. Right, um, right. But, you know, so it, it, it was a... 
I was very happy when they brought Star Wars back in 2015, or you know, whenever they announced the the Disney merger. I was like, all right, great, get it away from fucking Lucas. He doesn't know what he's mm. doing with it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, did you hear what his plans for the the last three films oh, would have God. would have been? It was like a uh, fantastic voyage where they, they shrink their crew down and put them inside a body and they have a conversation with the uh, metachlorines. Yeah, it, like, it, it was it was like, yeah, it was it was oh, fucking awful when I read some of the. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just like the drunk guy where you get you're like, no, you're cut off. You're done. You're fit. You get no more of this. We're taking it away from you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and some people create great art and then just, you know, totally drive it into the ground and it's better off in other people's hands. It's a weird kind of phenomenon. But, um, you know, as far as my, you know, experience with the movie, I was kind of baffled by like the really negative reaction. And but I should say, you know, everyone, it, there's kind of this narrative around, oh, well, this movie wasn't that good or it had a really negative reaction. Um, the critic, like critics, seem to fucking love this movie. This movie has a ninety-one on Rotten Tomatoes, eighty-five on Metacritic, even on IMDb, which is a very stringent like rating system and very you know politicized. If like there's a certain faction that doesn't like the movie, it's got a seven point three. So it's not. I I would n- I would not say this is by any means a bad movie. I think there are elements of this movie that are not great and that it could have been improved upon. I think there are elements of this movie that are the best thing that has ever been done in a star Wars movie. I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a mishmash of both of those things. Like for me, this is the best of the, or like the main storyline star Wars movies so far, you know, of the, of the nine, mm-hmm. which is kind of a controversial thing. But I mean, I, I think it touches on themes that the other movies don't really touch on, like in terms of just nuance so I, of storytelling. I think that they do touch on those themes. They're just way more, or overt here and that's why people didn't necessarily like it because they don't like feeling like they're getting preached to the i mean the where where's the 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 class the level of like the caste system of poor people and you know versus the wealthy and the higher societies and everything and then uh you know rebellions versus an, an empire that's the whole that's the whole world that it no, always yeah, has sure. been in this series. It's just here it was like, oh, here's the, <laughs> you know, we're literally like the rich people are in a casino and they have like this brutal horse racing thing where they beat the horses and all the stable kids are slaves. And, you know, it's like the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. Um, I, I think it just it was less nuanced. And that was maybe why people felt like it was a little too I much. I, I don't mean that. And I think that storyline is is definitely what I'm referring to when I say I think I could cut. I could stand to cut an entire, you know, section of the movie out, but in terms of the things that it changed and subverted, I, a lot of things that none of the movies before, it, it basically upended a lot of the things that people knew about Star Wars, like um, the the whole concept of the Force. You know, the Force was always this mystical, you know, power that only the Jedi could access, and only you know a, a, a chosen few, uh, you know. Uh, Jedi of, of this like you know amazing bloodline or were were, were force sensitive enough to actually be able to wield the force and things like that and I love that character beat with like Luke where they where he kind of is like you know it, it, the Jedi order was arrogant to think that they controlled the force and that to not realize that the force is just the building blocks of this universe. It's all yeah, around the, us. The, the force is wh- whoever is the best at pod racing. That's what the force is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fucking bring up pod racing. 
<laughs> no, but but you know what I mean? Like, I, but that's, I, I, you know, you could say maybe that was subtextually in there, but I don't think it really was in the, in the, in the last couple films. I mean, it's always been something that, you know, you needed to be trained by the Jedi to do and all this stuff. And, um, I don't know. You know. I mean, it seems like that was kind of Lucas's goal was to show that their orthodoxy was blinding them. I felt like that was a that in, was, in Revenge of the Sith. That certainly yeah, was what yeah, came like, across. You know, like how do they not see it come across that way? I think it was. I mean, how do they look around and go, "What the fuck happened?" Without going, "Oh, hey, you know all the you know the whole just just the idea that like he can't have a normal Anakin can't have a normal relationship with this woman, and that's what helps like drive him." you know crazy that he can't have a regular mm-hmm. relationship that that orthodoxy is what kind of sets all this shit in motion that's that's they the fact that they couldn't tell that the evil guy was taken over until it was too late they, they couldn't sense it you know like that to was their extent, that yeah. was their undoing yeah um, no yeah i mean i so yeah i mean i i've always viewed them kind of as almost the villains of, of revenge of the sith the jedi order you know yeah. mace windu and all those guys um but so you know but but i think that was more uh explicitly stated and i say that in in pairing with the idea that ray is not like you know obi-wan's granddaughter or luke's daughter or han solo's daughter like i i love the concept that she's just a fucking nobody like that she was like a her you know her family were like peasants basically um but she just happens to be that this extraordinary you know individual and that's totally subverting what jj was going for in the first movie and i think you know my big problem with with um the force awakens and i liked it a lot but it was really a play to people's nostalgia for the franchise it didn't really do much deep thinking and it kind of just continued this almost pseudo like monarchy idea of like you know anyone who's a kenobi is going to be a great jedi or anyone who's a skywalker or a solo and like I love the idea that it's not this like, like you were saying, like this caste system or this almost kind of like upper and lower class system where, you know, you, you can't be born Mm -hmm. into the, you know, I, I just, I think that was a really interesting thing that he did with it that I'm not sure was ever an intention of Lucas or of JJ Abrams because they seem to be kind of going in the other direction. Well, I mean, what what's look at every uh, you know how many George Lucas or or Spielberg films are about uh, you know every man kid from some suburban neighborhood where it's all boring who ends up becoming this unlikely hero, you know. I mean, even Richard Dreyfus in Closing Encounters of the Third Kind, like that's kind of what it <laughs> that's kind of the story for all of it, you know. Yeah, ET, but- it's like. That, that's because you want the fans to think that, oh, I, you know, especially young kids that like fantasy, that you want to draw them in and, and think, oh, I could look up at the sky and turn in, you know, become that too. That's just, that's. But that was, the, I think, one of the big critiques of the movie is like, oh, well, he didn't pick up any of the threads that JJ laid down. And I think that was like one of the fanboy like complaints is that, like, oh, well, she's not, why isn't she Luke's daughter or something like that? And I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what make made Star Wars great in the first place. Like, you know, I, I think it it is great that Luke, even though he was Anakin's son, was the um kind of kind of this kid from no and Anakin was a fucking like farm kid too. It was like, you know, there were these kind of like nobodies that became these these icons in this universe. And now the kid um, with the broom. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, see, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's I, just, that, I know they're I know they're teasing this whole other trilogy, but I'm just kinda like, that's how you're gonna end it? Really? That's I don't know. I, I, I didn't like really care. Much, but. I, I so my thing with that scene, I, I do like the the idea that like the resist I think the the big thing with that was like the kid had, like twisted the ring and he had the resistance ring on. Um mm-hmm. and I think that the idea is like, you know. The resistance is alive. It didn't die in that cave on crate. You know, it it's it lives on not only in the little band of rebels that are left, but like in this idea that all these people now know this story somehow. I don't fucking know how, but um, of like Luke standing up to the first order. Well, yeah, it's like how do they all know this fucking story? But at the same time, they're trapped in this cave. They put out a signal to like help. You know, anyone want to come help us? And nobody does. Like, just it well, seemed, I, th- I think people were uh, a little contrived, but you know, I mean, it's I a big galaxy. It can't be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also get conceptually that, like, you know, it, it, I don't think that people like were. I think people were afraid to take on the first order because they're literally, you know, the fucking Nazis at the height of their power or whatever you want to, you know, compare them to. They're this just massive force that nobody can even begin to take on. So the idea of like involving uh, yeah. your country or your not your country, but your planet in that skirmish is like, oh, well, we'll be fucked forever. Like, why would we? you know, it, it's basically like every other planet was like the neoliberals who were like, well, let's not, you know, let's not be too, uh, too. I mean, aggressive. We, we see this fleet that's been reduced to almost nothing. And that's even at the start of the movie. But there's not supposed to be any time skip here. So how do this is this is one of the bigger criticisms? But how do you go from blowing up their super big death planet Death Star, and you got you have that victory, and then just seemingly hours later, like where'd that go? Where, so, where? <laughs> there does have to be. I, I don't think that the events of uh, on the ship and the events on um, Jakku necessarily are take place. R- concurrently and i say that because I, we don't know how long ray was actually on you know like on luke's planet i think mm-hmm. it could be a couple weeks later conceivably i i think there could be yeah an easy I mean, like hand wave explanation i mean it's what yeah, you know yeah it just it's seems not like necessarily they, like you said with t- taking it in a different direction where they wanted to really shrink it down to the point where like oh it's just one ship of of, of you know it was one like ship a heist left. movie really it was it was it was very like uh, yeah, contained yeah. for being such a big you know well, big budget it, of course there's the thing is like they have to do something different because people are already starting to question like do we really need this many of these like if they're not going to do anything different then why are people going to come back and see it you know yeah. we can just watch the old ones if all we want to see is the same thing but then it's like it felt also felt very episodic right and this is supposed to yeah. be the the big legendary mythological episodes you know and it was just kind of like oh we're just they're just sort of chasing them in, at impulse speed and lobbing little things and it bounces off their shields and you know everyone's kind of like off having their own adventure and they kind of come back together and like none of it really mattered so, for the most part i mean especially the c plot didn't matter other than yeah. to just kind of set up like, oh, hey, the you know weapons manufacturers sell weapons to good, good guys and bad guys, and it's like, well, who doesn't already know that? <laughs> you know, like, who... so okay, so a couple things. So the, I, I think a big part of it was, uh, and I'm going to step on my trivia section here a little bit, but uh, Ryan Johnson's original cut of the movie exceeded three hours. Uh, reports say he cut between 45 and 60 minutes of the film to get it down to a palatable runtime. 
and the film is 151 minutes. So I, I imagine that so that could have been like a whole the... D plot we lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I imagine that's maybe the reason why why the storylines kind of like step on each other and don't quite make sense timeline wise. Yeah. Um. Which and you know like it's partly uh, it's partly like well why'd you write it that way but it's also like hey. J.J. Abrams threw like 30 balls in the air and you had to catch them all and not drop one and then figure out like where to put the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing to follow somebody who doesn't. And apparently like he didn't have conversations with him about like where he wanted his plots to go. J.J. Abrams, <laughs> um, which, which makes sense considering he had a hand in lost, but um, it, it's like, I, it's a tough it's a tough gig and i think he did ryan did a decent job of doing some interesting things while keeping kind of the 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 ship afloat to get to the next movie um you know there are things i definitely didn't like but i there are things i like i was saying that i loved even more than you know maybe anything Uh, scenes i loved certainly more than any other scene in the franchise's history so it's a yeah well complicated thing the the best parts are of course with Mark Hamill, you know, because even yeah, though he it. really didn't like the direction it went in, and he said it over and over and over, I think he also just he has such a crush on that character because it defined his. He's the ultimate existence. fanboy. He is the ultimate oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker, yeah. which I love. But it's like he is the he ultimate. He still doesn't quite understand the character though, and I think that that was kind of the almost intentional with. Um, you know, where when Yoda comes back and you're like, oh, here's a really contrived scene. And then it ends up not being contrived at all. It's actually really revealing. And That's like one of my favorite you, scenes in the movie. Yeah, he that. just yeah. has this kind of thing like, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't fuck up. Maybe like I shouldn't be such a curmudgeonly <laughs> old bastard because, you know, you're, you're still going to make mistakes later in life and you still have new things to learn. And, you know, <laughs> so I, I think that Mark Hamill maybe didn't understand that scene or like the whole arc of his character in that movie. Um, but in that I gotta, sense. I gotta say about him, you know, I, I think most people agree. Mark Hamill, not the be- in general, not the best actor in the world. His no. performance in the original movies is fucking awful at times. Just whiny. Yeah. And, he's, um, he's like he, West, Wesley Crusher, but somehow <laughs> redeems himself. <laughs> but you know, he fucking killed it in this movie. I, I genuinely think this is the best acting performance I've seen from him. And I was like, I where the well, where'd yeah. this come from? Like he's <laughs> been practicing 35 years. Pick up the phone. Someone pick up the fuckers. Come on. <laughs> God not damn it, George. If you're not gonna make any more, sell the franchise, please. Yeah. I, I need to I need this in my life. Um so you know, I, before we get too far into the weeds, I want to get into some of our categories, and I think that'll that'll lead to further uh Further yeah. discussion of the film. Um, in terms of our likes and dislikes, I'll go through some of my likes, and then we can go through some of yours. Um, you know what I liked? I liked that it subverted uh, expectations, as I was saying. You know, things like Ray's parents not being one of the famous, you know, Jedi or whoever. Um, the whole concept of the Force not being this this precious thing that the Jedi control, uh, and that being something that you know a a poor kids i i you know as as goofy as that scene was i like the idea that just some kid who's sweeping up the stables could uh all of a sudden you know learn to control the force and help fight the first order um or you know the remnants of the empire um <laughs> i i i kind of like that they threw away the uh, that that luke throws away the lightsaber at the beginning cuz it's a it was a real shocking moment like you figure like you know 
the movies the, the language of cinema tells you the way that last jedi or that uh force awakens ends ends where she's handing him the lightsaber you're it, uh you think like oh he's gonna take it and look at it longingly and then come back with her but this movie tells you right away like fuck everything you think you know about like the way the story is gonna go it's not I mean, he says in the in in the movie this is not gonna go the way you think like that's the whole thesis right. of the movie well and it's also he's talking directly to the audience there you know like, yeah what's exactly. gonna happen later is not gonna but it's like okay the the whole thing what 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 was the crawl was what were the first words of the crawl in in force awakens Luke Skywalker vanished he didn't <laughs> vanish because he got kidnapped or captured he vanished because he fucking ran away well i think they and, explained that perfectly yeah yeah like well it's like of course he like he does, he's not waiting for someone to come reactivate him you know like some out of <laughs> sense of honor like he went far away to not be found and if you couldn't pick that up before the movie started then i don't i don't know what your deal is yeah, but. Even, even like han's death wasn't enough to get him on like you know he's like well all right, fuck he's dead what am i gonna do like you know <laughs> right right um, well and that's you know that they had to play something against expectation. They, it, it couldn't be, you know, because they're not going to... Otherwise, why even do it? Why even develop character at all if it's just going to be completely what the fans want or what they expect? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I think that's that was uh, a big reason that people didn't like it initially is that there was a lot of expectations and i think that that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what star wars is i mean that you know everyone i think a lot of like the fanboys who really bitched about it um were going in thinking like okay well you know ray's gonna go and she's gonna give luke the saber and he's gonna look at it and he's gonna come back with her and then we're gonna find out ray's de- uh, grandfather was uh obi-wan kenobi and uh snoke is gonna be like emperor palpatine revived and all this fucking nonsense and I'm like, that's not interesting to me. That's fan fiction. I think, I think maybe the fact that we've gone so long without a st- like Star Wars in our lives has led a lot of people to be like, well, this is, you know, like they, they absorb the kind of EU stuff and the kind of fan fiction stuff. And it's like, that's not really good storytelling, though. I mean, there's there's plenty of great yeah, know, stories it's, in the it's EU. But pornography, it's, basically. It's just, yeah. it's, I want these two characters to have this romance because that's my fantasy. <clears throat> well, that's not what the story is. You know, I love that... It doesn't um, challenge you. You know, when, the, the, when they, they just get rid of Snoke. Like, it was just... I'm like, oh, how fucking they, great. I love yeah, that. How are they going to get out of this situation? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to rotate the sword and boop, cut, <laughs> cut in half. I'm like, ha, <laughs> And even, that, even in that scene, it was like, oh, was so okay, good. so Kylo... Uh, right, but it was just the fact that you just, you know, because you always think, like, it, it, it's such a great play-up of Last Jedi where the, the fucking lightsaber's just sitting there and you're like, oh, if Luke, Luke can grab it and then chop him. Like, why does he have to grab Return it and the then Jedi. chop him with it? What's that? Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. What you know? Why doesn't he just rotate it and Twist turn it. it on in the chair? And then they did it in this movie, and I'm like, yes, exactly. You don't have to turn it on without yep. touching it. And there uh, were a lot of echoes like yeah. that of the other movies. Um, and, and then also just the like ripped it out of him too. <laughs> and Ray yeah, catches oh, that was it. great. That was a great uh, scene. And I knew that it, it pissed off. Just like I was clapping during that scene because I knew it was awesome the way they shot it and everything. Uh, but I knew that it, so many fanboys were probably just oh, enraged so at all of their... Like, what do you mean? Who, Snoke's not anyone special? Like, I made a dozen YouTube videos guessing who Snoke was, <laughs> and I researched it, and I did this, and then they're just like, God, nothing. Nothing matters. <laughs> just all their hopes and, and dreams crushed. That's another thing about this movie, and I think another fundamental misunderstanding. Star Wars is never a puzzle box franchise. Like, it's not fucking lost. 
you know, and J.J. Abrams tried his best in the first movie to make it into Lost, but that is not interesting to most people. Like no. it, when you really think about and get down to story, it's like characters and character motivations and things like that. Like in that moment, and just another great, like what you were just talking about, another great moment of subvert of subverting expectations. You know, you see that, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Kylo is is turning to the light side, and then he's fighting, you know, back to back with Ray in one of the best shot scenes in the movie. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, this is fucking awesome!" Did and then you, at the uh... end, you're like, "Oh fuck!" He just wants to be a fucking dictator, and like, oh, yeah, come on. Yeah. Man. Well, did you see all the different <laughs> the different cuts of it? Where they, they it was the exact same editing, but they just put in different pop songs. You know? Yeah, so and... it was fun. Whoever Dancing did all Queen those was really good. Yeah, well, my yeah, exactly. That was um one of the best ones. What was the other one? Was it Dancing Queen? I thought it was something else by ABBA. I don't there, there were a lot of really funny ones I saw. It became yeah. like a Well, thing of course they while. all got taken down cuz of copyright, but you know, it's just yeah. like come on. Is anyone really going to yeah. yeah. Um So I mean I think a lot of people, and me included, and I liked the movie coming out of it, and I was like, wow, people are fucking crazy to be saying this is the worst movie ever and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it really benefits from a second watch because I think a lot of people, when you go in with expectations and they're totally subverted, get almost defensive or annoyed. But when you watch it as a film, knowing what kind of happens, you're like, oh, fuck, this is a good movie. Like, you know, there, there's stuff I would change, but this is a, fundamentally, it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I think anyone who had that, like, oh, well, this is the worst fuck, this is a cinematic abortion, should just go back and watch it a second time and be like, you know what? I, I, I think a lot of people would feel differently about it. Um, but what, do you, what did you kind of like about it? What, what were your, um, some of the things you liked about it? Yeah, that, well, I liked all the dip played against expectation, right? Um, I liked the, the, the gray area of, like, you, you sort of love-hate Kylo Ren, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he is this this terrible human being. <laughs> I mean, if the, you he's call like the best, beings. one of the best characters I've um, ever in Star well, Wars. Well, Adam like Driver is a, wise. Yeah, Adam Driver is a phenomenal actor. Check out the film he starred in that Jim Jarmusch directed, where Adam Driver plays a bus driver. And it is, you know, how in Broken Flowers, like nothing happens and it's Bill Murray and it kind of sucks mm-hmm. and nothing yeah. happens. Well, similar premise here where very little happens and you're riveted. It's just he's so good at acting across he's the magnetic. board. He, yeah, he really he's magnetic. Has like a well, and then when thing. he's quiet and stoic, you believe it. When his when his you know hand trembles before he's about to shoot his mom, you believe it. And when he flips out and says, "Shoot everything at that man," <laughs> you really believe it. <laughs> um, Love that so change. you know, and that was I guess. You know, playing upon the grandeur of Darth Vader, who didn't really have those emotional outbursts. It was just kind of, you know, very uh, limited range, just kind of evil. You never really understood motivation beyond just, mm-hmm. well, here's what happened. And they did the, the, you know, the prequels, and you understood, okay, here's why he's fucked up. Oh, he's um, lying, little bitch. Yeah. But here, you don't really have that, really other like than sand. just, yeah, he doesn't like sand, really, <laughs> really. Well, you know, you got sand up in your, you know, arm stump. That's kind of fucking hurt. Especially course. when it's molten lava. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can't remember the horrible line, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he doesn't really have a motivation other than just kind of teen angst. You know, like he, yeah. they say, oh, he has too much Vader in him. Like, that's not really a real thing. Um, but 
it's still it's he does do such a great job with it and you don't really know what he's going to turn into or turn out to be but you know it again it's it they're not just going to do like oh well you were evil and now you're good or you were good and now you're evil like they've done that they've done that and it, it's they're not going to do that again with the range of different options they have as storytellers now so and i still don't know what the fuck they're going to do with him in the third movie like he could go any in any direction in terms of his character and i think that's kind of amazing like you 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 wouldn't really you know predict that yeah well it's you know we they they made snoke into such a huge villain you think now here's the ultimate you know you think they're really going to introduce another big villain in the third one, oh, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be no. Kylo. He's gonna he's gonna fucking run shit, you know. But right. the question is, right. what happens at the end? Is he, you know, the, is Ray gonna kill him, or is he gonna, re, you know, realize the error of it? Like it's it, it's an interesting. It, it's not as black and white as as Star Wars typically is, and I, I like his character, and I like that a lot. Like he still can tell he carries the burden of murdering his father, and you know. Uh, I don't think like he does that. that much. I don't think he really carries the burden of it. He, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know. Luke says to him, much. like, Luke says to him, you know, you strike me down and I'll be, I'll always be with you, just like your father. And then he <clears> fucking <throat> flips out and like chases. Yeah, after that's him. true. Like, they didn't really show it in the movie, but I guess you, you would have to have that at some point. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's what I'm excited about because obviously, you know, the, this next film was supposed to be the big Carrie Fisher one. And of course, that's not going to happen now. So I think they're going to have, a lot more of they're going to have to have a lot of force ghost you know luke skywalker i mean he says see you around kid so that, like they're going <laughs> to have to have him be a bigger part of it and maybe he's not even a force ghost maybe he's he's like transcendent where he can come back and forth and doesn't have to be just a force i mean the the fucking yoda that that summoned the lightning to burn down the fucking tree was was barely a force ghost he was pretty much just a real character at that point <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to, you know, if you can literally summon, you know, not just force lightning, but real fucking lightning from the sky, you're not really a ghost anymore. You're pretty much just a, a you've transcended space and time for the most part. So, yeah. Um, but so, that was really, yeah. that was really fun, too. I guess just the idea that you could astral project yourself to another place to the point where no one else could tell you weren't really real. Like, we've never and seen that before. In, that's that's totally a, fucking new. Yeah. It is new, and it, it but it, it's it's one of the few things, and they have pulled a few things from the EU, but that 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 actually did happen in a couple of the EU books, like the oh yeah, sure force projection. Um, so it's you know it, it it's it's pseudo explainable as much as anything is explainable in a universe with fucking you know big dogs and and laser swords and shit like that. Crystal um, critters. <laughs> yeah. that was, I was yeah. Oh, those, yeah, those were interesting. Uh, I don't know um, if you so, noticed that one of the little Easter eggs that um, reveals that he's not real in that fight scene is that they keep he doesn't leave their, a mark in the right, set. Yeah, right. You keep seeing Kylo's feet like slide, and that that salt gets brushed away, and then every time Luke jumps around, like nothing gets moved. Right. I don't know little things yeah. like that that make it interesting. That if you like, you could tell something was going on there because they never actually hit. He just keeps dodging him and not actually doing anything. Yeah, and like you knew that something was going on you knew that something and the fact was, that he looked like the slightly younger version of himself oh that was a dead giveaway it was like wait a minute did he just did he just fucking clean himself up and you know dye his beard well my thing? thought was like yeah did he die? like did he really like take time to dye his beard and or was like well, right. is his beard dark right. underneath the gray like how does this work right well he just um, he, he looked like he did right when he um when they all had last seen him which you figure chronologically is maybe three four or five years ago they don't really say but you know it can't be that long if 
if well, Kylo know, looked kind of like himself, basically. Yeah, it couldn't have been more than five years different. Version. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, and the one little scene they get to have, I mean, we're still on what I did like about it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, that little scene with Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, like that. I oh, man, it's so little, it's so, so slight, and and so, so moving though. It was like so good. Yeah, yeah, because there's so much weight on it, and they didn't have to say that much, but every every word implied a whole nother story that you're like, well, what's like, we know all that. We know everything that's happened, (laughs) but we also don't know a lot of things that have happened. We don't know what all, everything they've been through in the last 30 years that we haven't seen this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's of course, it's good story making. You want to show it, not tell it, but at the same time, what you don't know also can have a huge amount of weight. Um, in a lot of films, especially in sci-fi alien franchise has done this several times where they kill off a character between movies you feel cheated. You feel really like emotionally hurt by that because you feel like you were going to see them again and then they're gone. And you go, wait a minute, I didn't know this was the last time I was going to see them. And they've done that. They've done that twice with um, with the Alien franchise. And um, I don't know. I guess I get the, the same sense of loss because you know that they're never really going to see each other again, and we're never going to see the two of them together again because Carrie Fisher is dead in real life. You know. Yeah. So. Which also adds to that scene, and you know, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I real quick, before we get into the dislikes, I want to address some of the criticisms that I think are not valid of, of Luke's character, or Luke's motivations in this movie. Are they mostly um, Mark and, Hamill's criticisms? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, he actually did, after the fact, kind of come around on it. He's like, you know, and I really liked where the story went. I just it was not what I would have done, but I, I, I ultimately like it. And I think it's a it's a kind of fitting ending for right. Luke's. Well, I, I think he just started um, reading it from page one and was like, what? <laughs> like they didn't tell yeah. him ahead of time what, how it was going to go. Yeah. Like, what? What do you mean? I throw away the lightsaber. Why wouldn't I just grab it? And but but the, but that's because he's not a writer. He's a he's an actor. Like and, and not to shit. I but like he's great. Uh, you know, in this movie. But I, I think you know when. But when you think about it enough, you're like, oh yeah, no, that makes that makes more sense for him to do what he did. Um, and this guy uh, Jonathan McIntosh on Twitter uh, wrote this Twitter thread that I think is a really great um, explainer. Do do we of, know of, who this guy is? John McIntosh is he a film critic? I think he's just I think he's just a dude. Uh, let me see. Uh, he, it looks like he's just a yeah, kind of a, a pop culture critic. Um, I mean, who couldn't be? If we could be pop culture critics, yeah, I think we're kind can't? of pop culture critics. <laughs> so, I mean, what the fuck? You know, does that even mean? Um, he wrote uh, a hand. So this is his Twitter thread. I'm gonna read it out. Uh, a handful of Last Jedi haters in my mentions are offering up a fascinating misreading of the final showdown between Luke and Vader and Return of the Jedi. Uh, I think it's worth taking a moment to discuss because it may help explain why these guys hate Luke's character so much in Episode Eight. Uh, the misreading. Luke Skywalker uses his great warrior skills to defeat Darth Vader. Once he's proven himself in combat and stands victorious, Luke does the honorable thing by showing mercy and sparing his enemy, thereby saving himself from corruption and redeeming his father. So that, really that's, that's the misconception that's what people think. a lot yes. of fans have, that that's what that scene was, right? Because he beats, you know, he's like hitting him and he, and he, he overpowers him and they think like, oh, well, he's, you know, he shows him mercy, which right. is kind of almost, and not to get too into the weeds, but that's almost the misunderstanding of American empire where people think that we're this great oh, yeah, merciful it's, force. It's the, you it's know. the King Joffrey uh, ego thinking, I'm being so lenient to you all, all you peasants, you know, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what really happened, um, and this back to his Twitter thread, what really happened, uh, Luke tries to avoid fighting but gives in to anger. 
As he bests Vader in combat, Luke realizes his great mistake. Winning the fight means losing his soul to the dark side. The battle itself is corrupting him. Understanding this, Luke throws away his weapon. Uh, notice the misreading above uh, reframes Luke as a badass warrior and ref uh, reframes his refusal to kill Vader as an act of mercy stemming from a position of power. Uh, this is significant because Luke beating Vader in combat is explicitly depicted as a moment of weakness, not strength. Um, the desire of some fans to reimagine Luke as a powerful warrior who spares the bad guy out of benevolence is consistent with the way male heroes are often represented. Uh, it's the way Batman is framed when he doesn't kill the Joker, but Luke Skywalker isn't the typical action hero. Uh, Luke's arc in the original trilogy ends with him not only refusing to kill the bad guy, but refusing to fight an even worse villain. This is why Luke's Forks projection standoff with Kylo in The Last Jedi is so perfect. It's the ultimate expression of everything that Luke has learned. The fact that an iconic figure like Luke Skywalker was explicitly, was explicitly framed as weak for fighting a murderous villain like Darth Vader is a pretty subversive message, especially for a male uh, hero in Hollywood, and something that 35 years later some fans refuse to accept. Um, and to this Twitter thread, Ryan replied, uh, this illuminated something I found totally baffling. Thank you. So, you know, that's a really interesting analysis and I, I fully agree with it. And if you really think about the way that the original series played out, that's true to his character. And I think ultimately kind of even to expand on that, Luke is just fulfilling the teachings of his original, you know, teacher obi-wan like that's that was obi-wan's entire message in the first movie he doesn't fucking beat darth vader in a you know in a fight with fight with laser swords as luke skywalker you know would say he understands that there's more important things you know it, it, it was kind of a great reflection of that where where obi-wan kind of sacrifices himself to let the others escape the death star like it, it's almost it like a mirror of that scene well, yeah, and it's it's what does he say when he runs off to go save his friends in the Cloud City? You know, Yoda's like, if you take him head on, you're gonna lose because you're either gonna you to to destroy him on that way, you're gonna become him, right? And it's that that was the thing. He's like, well, I still have to because it's my friends. Yeah, you know? um, it turns out Yoda was so right, that, and Obi Wan was right. Uh, right, right. Even though, even though Obi Wan was basically like, "Hey, I'm gonna trick you to kill your dad. I'm gonna lie to you." <laughs> well, yeah, that was a dick move. That, that whole certain point of view bullshit. Yeah, that, I wasn't crazy about that whole. Uh, yeah, but um, no, I you know, and I I really think that that illuminates uh, a lot of his character motivation. So I hope people can kind of watch the movie again with that in mind. I think that really, um, is an interesting thing to think about. Um, just real quick, and we're gonna have to speed through these a little bit because I got a lot of shit to go. Um. So in terms of dislikes, um, you know, Rose's character to me, I, I so the, the big, one of the big shitty, you know, alt-right things was like the, a lot of people were like super anti-Rose and like, you know, and, and a lot of it, not all of it, uh, had this kind of air of like, well, they're trying to, you know, shove diversity into the Star Wars universe which is fucking ridiculous because it's a movie about uh, thousands of planets and millions of fucking species. And, you know, the idea that that, that, that everyone right. would be white people is and that there's one black guy in the universe is fucking ridiculous. But um, yeah, they could have aliens just as long as they're white men. That's, that's what's wrong. Exactly. With that. So I think that was, you know, kind of ridiculous. And I think that is behind a lot of that anti-Rose stuff. But also, I think 
her yeah, character is, is but... not great and she does really stupid shit like the, the the scene where they're you know where they're racing the kind of beat up speeder junkers at the at the big cannon that's going to blow the door open uh is a great visual scene i love that scene um but mm-hmm. her, what she does makes no fucking sense like finn is like almost at the cannon so rather than let him sacrifice himself and maybe save the entire you know resistance she crashes into his ship, almost kills him, almost kills herself, and they blow the door open anyway. And it was like she had this line about like, "Well, you have to, you don't, you don't <clears throat> succeed by fighting the things you hate. You do it by protecting the things you love." And it's like, "What? The, no, you, you, you're an idiot. You just fuck- five minutes ago, Laura Dern just fucking crashed the whole fucking <laughs> ship through the thing, and it's it like, like it fuck? was so loud it went silent for a second, and then the whole just." Well, that was the like, first time they they you know, real they they acknowledge <laughs> that there's no fucking sound in space and that you know that's actually right, what it would sound right. like. But um, exactly, <clears throat> uh, which definitely was was an awesome visual. Sure. Um, I, I did like that they got a little bit more into the reality of space because you know in real life, um, if you get blown out into space, you can live for several minutes and then you wake Horrifying. up and just Mary Poppins your way back into the fucking <laughs> street. It's a very realistic depiction of space. <laughs> Felt like I was watching. It was almost like watching. Um, oh, what was what was gravity. that movie with? Uh, what's it? yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's like gravity, and like someone's there's someone's empty skull's gonna float by, and then oh no, so, no, you know, no, this is Disney. This is Disney. Well, I know we're supposed to be in, in dislikes, but that was another big criticism of the movie about like that Leia, you know, fucking fl- <laughs> Leia's flight scene, and I'm like, I don't really, I didn't really have as big of a problem with that. Like we knew she's obviously Luke's sister. She was always force sensitive. Um, and she wasn't flying; she was maneuvering matter, you know. To, to and and it, to to move an object in space, you need the slightest little push. I mean, I th- I think it's conceivable that uh, yeah. if you can lift I mean, yourself like like Luke does with the force, you know, to jump onto like super tall objects or things like that. Sure, it, sure, it's fine. It's just it you know they show all that debris kind of floating <laughs> as though it's in a cloud. If that was an explosion, that debris would have gone out and continued off in for infinity. He wouldn't just be floating. Sure, yeah. You know, me. <laughs> anyway, it, it doesn't matter. It, it was it it fucked with us because we're like, oh, is this how yeah. they're really going to kill like, off man, Carrie that's a Fisher? Fucking dark. For yeah. And we still don't know. We still don't know. I think that I worry that that's what they're going to do is they're going to kill her off between episodes, <clears> and then we're going to be like, what? That you can't just. I'd no. be fine with. But then it's either that or CGI. You know. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the whole uncanny valley CGI thing that they've done in like Rogue yeah, One. We already, and, we already did yeah. that. We already did that with her. So, um, so I mean, hopefully, what they'll do is just kind of have her a little bit off to the sides, and you'd be like, oh well, you know, Admiral or General Leia, uh, General Organa says that blah blah blah. Like, I, I think you can you can get away with it without showing her too much. Um, but, um. Oh, you know, speaking of things I liked, even though we're in the dislike section, I fucking love that scene where R2 is like trying to like be like, Luke, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? Like, come back with us. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then he shows him the little thing. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's not fucking fair. Like, what are you, why are you showing me? He shows him the hologram from the, you know, the first movie. I thought that was a like, really nice don't, callback. Don't they have, yeah, but don't they have like pictures or videos or home movies in the, in you know, then in this future world that's in the past a long well, time ago? Well, like, you know, they... it's weird because they kind of have to keep to the rustic because yeah. it, it's only supposed to take place 30 years after the events of, you know, the the original trilogy. And it's like, you got to kind of keep to the rustic technology while... I guess it, so, but if you can do a like a live Skype hologram, like why couldn't you have a fucking home video? 
camera. They're not big on screens in Star Wars. It's, it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing. They just kind of have holograms. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, other dislikes, uh, you know, yeah, the rose stopping Finn thing. So the Canto bite scene, the the, the casino planet subplot was really almost totally unnecessary to the script and didn't really have to happen and that was a lot of people's criticisms that kind of derailed the story um there were a couple things i liked in that scene though i mean like we talked briefly about the kind of (laughs) the kind of almost class uh depiction in that on that planet and things that they touched on with like the stable kids being these kids who are like basically slaves or indentured servants and the uh abuse the, the kind of animal abuse themes that they touched on um but I, none of that shit was and not to say those themes aren't necessary but none of that scene is really necessary to the story because it ends up not being a thing like they don't shut the death star's yeah, shield down it it's exactly exactly well and it's it just felt like they were trying to kind of recapture a little bit of that um Reminding me well, a that lot was of the Indiana prequel. Jones and Temple oh, yeah. of Doom. Well, and that was also kind of the goofy we, we just, shit you were talking about, like with the prequel-ish kind of. Right. Yeah. I just it it was way more than it need to be, mm-hmm. and I think maybe if the rest of the film that was originally there was there, it wouldn't feel like it was taking up such a big chunk of it. But you know, I mean, you look at Empire and uh, Empire Strikes Back, and you had an A and a B and a C plot that all felt intertwined and the cutting back and forth you never felt like you were far away from any of them and there's some parts where you feel like you're with one story so long that you mentally lose track of what else was going on like you lose that urgency of why are they even in this dumb casino set oh now they're in jail with him and they're in there for two seconds now they're out of jail it's just it's like so unnecessary and there's no payoff. There's no payoff for it where something they did was integral to how the problem solved. It's not. None of it is. It's very contrived with very little payoff. The only the only things that like build towards a climax or any kind of sense of, of um you know getting what we wanted to is that is is the A plot. It's it's really just the A plot. So Yeah, and the only other thing you can maybe say that it was building towards was giving obviously giving Finn something to do, but uh, giving Poe this kind of thing to be stalling for time for, uh, which is also kind of a contrivance, though, because it's like you, you have this whole thing where he kind of like mutinies and it almost all ends up being for nothing. The only thing it really gives us is that great Laura Dern scene where she fucking goes kamikaze and takes out the First Order, you know, freighter uh, by light speeding through it, which was one of the coolest fucking scenes in Star Wars you know, history. Like that's such right. a great idea that nobody ever really well, thought of. You know, showing the the class dynamic, I mean it's not the first time they've shown that because clearly Coruscant was supposed mm-hmm. to be a fairly high end uh sort of bourgeois society, even though it had that underworld at the same time. But it's sort of implied that Laura Dern's character comes from that planet or comes from that culture of like you know high you know, you look at the way she's dressed. Yeah. She doesn't look like a rebel, right? And people have this misconception about her as well. So they're playing against that, that here's somebody who who appears to be from this same very selfish society that does something ultimately that that's heroic and also very selfless. So I, I did like that. It's hard not to like anything Laura Dern oh, does. Great. I love Laura Dern. You know, because she's, she's fucking, you know, this is fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that'll always be her best role. But yeah, no, she's great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, so again, like, I liked some of the things that that scene touched upon, but like, it wasn't necessary. Um, 
by the way, he, he, I know that he wanted to get the animal rights thing in. Huge missed opportunity to have uh, pod racing on that track instead of whatever the whatever oh, the fuck those creatures oh. were. Um, well, I, I legit I mean, when I saw it, the track, I was like, oh my god, this is not going to be a fucking pod racing scene, is it? But I was like, all right, right. It, it just it felt weird to me because it didn't feel like an animal rights thing. It just felt like, well, here's the rich people's Kentucky Derby horses yeah. breaking free, you know. Yeah. And I don't think most people think of the Kentucky Derby as animal abuse. Oh, I, I certainly I do. Fucking think it's but I didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I um, think the whole well, especially they, of, they yeah. jack those animals up with fucking steroids and they don't live long and they're high stressed and everything. So it's yeah, it's awful. But uh, it didn't feel like that was an overt animal rights message in the film. It just felt like you know, kind of these are rich people that bet on horses and the horses are bigger and have you know, yeah. human face and giant ears. Well, maybe I just took it that way because I, I've always found the concept of horse ra- racing to be really, like, icky and not, like, a good, you know, like like you were saying, just, like, a really fucked up thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at the people that go to the Kentucky. Yeah, they're, well, they're, exactly. There's no more Our fucking enemies. disturbing... Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just the the southern culture of like, oh, we just like to lynch negroes and watch our horses race, and we're cultured, like the, you know that <laughs> that level of disturbing, disgusting bourgeois. It's like the lar- yeah. it's like the logical progression of like mendingo fighting, like from slave times, you know. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. So that that's kind of where I saw that fit in. Now having the huge scene where it's like the running of the bulls running through the city and smashing everything was mildly satisfying but it just felt like they had to have some kind of excitement there but again it just prolonged the scene that you wanted to end yeah um so in in terms of your dislikes obviously i think we both agree on that that whole subplot uh anything else like really stand out to you um there was the the little sort of like first person shooter holographic facetime thing with the little the little CGI character from the Force Awakens. I forget oh, her name, uh, but she Maz was like the, the yeah, she's like was, the female goofy. Yoda. Yeah. But you know, and then they just do this whole FaceTime thing where it's like, um, you know, the oh, we're having a, a union dispute, and you're like shooting. She's shooting stuff. It was just it so takes you out of the moment of the film yeah. to an absurd degree to have that much of a topical kind of a weird reference there. Not the union dispute, but just the way it was shot. Like it's this first-person shooter video game and you're looking at it from the outside kind of it was a very video game moment in general like it felt yeah yeah um and you know all of them have that moment where there's something that makes it feel very dated to whatever was you know trending at the time um i'm sure you've seen some of the the outtakes um from the first star wars where one there's a character that's like basically wearing like a beach bum hat like a floppy hat you know mm-hmm. that you from like the seventies, and you're just like, oh my god, that! Thank God they cut that out of the movie. <laughs> that looks so fucking dated to the late seventies. Like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. So. So, but yeah, I mean, largely, uh, I think we kind of, I think the Canto bite scene is the biggest, <laughs> biggest blight uh, on this movie. Um. So, in terms of like favorite scenes, uh, for me, I mean, I, we talked about all of them already, but just to briefly kind of list them, the admiral holdo you know kamikazing through the first order ship i fucking i love the way that was shot you know just a really like chill like gives you chills kind of moment um yeah i do beg it does beg the question like why couldn't you just put that on autopilot and do the same thing like why did you have to have somebody in there yeah yeah. yeah. anyway well i mean but theoretically well i mean i don't know but theoretically if you think about the way that like smart car technology works it's it's 
intended to not let you crash on autopilot like you like you know it's supposed to some i mean you could they've maybe... got fucking droids they could have had a fucking droid do it that's true i don't know <laughs> yeah you, know, you could you could hand wave away but i yeah i think you fucking plot holes but um and also anyway no it's an, yeah. I, that actually kind of would have been a good way for Leia to go out uh, like i don't I obviously they didn't shoot it beforehand knowing that but that would have been a really nice way for her to go out i thought so i thought that was a little bit of a missed opportunity yeah um, well, they got to start sh- shooting things like they do in Walking Dead, where they have every single person have the exact same death scene, so that nobody knows who's actually going to get it. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, the Luke versus Kylo scene on crate, actually, every, pretty much everything on crate, but especially that showdown. Um, I just, I just fucking love the, the 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 chemistry between those two on screen. Like they, it just really, you know, they did a good job in a movie's time of building that up and making it feel you know like this epic showdown and like you know when he's in the fucking atat and he's um mm-hmm. or at at as some people call it i think that's fucking stupid um we're, uh it's pronounced jiff yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> where you say like you know point every gun at that man like that that whole scene is just fucking great um the Opening space battle, I thought, was actually one of the better space battles that they've done in in Star Wars movies. Uh, you know, where where Poe goes mm. on like the bombing run, and then they have the the ship drop. By the way, an- another I'm stepping on the trivia again, but the <laughs> that scene where the, all the bombs drop, you know, after she finally gets a hold of the button and releases like all the bombs right. onto the ship, that was all practical except for a little blue screen to simulate space in the background. Everything that they did there was practically shot. It's pretty fucking huh. crazy. Like, there's a lot Could, of little practical. Couldn't they shots. just use? Yeah. Uh, couldn't they just re- use real space and put in like a force field so they don't suffocate? Yeah. Right. No. Um, um, yeah. Which is another th- space bombs that fall straight down because of space gravity. Which is kind of a, a, an unsung <laughs> yeah. thing about the new movies. It, you know that this movie, Force Awakens, also and Rogue One for sure, is that it's a really like. It, it feels lived in. It's like a real movie. There's real sets. There's real set pieces. It's not... It, the prequels, when you watch them, are just a fucking video game cutscene. Like, it's just... Everything is done on a green screen. There's just no, like, anima to anything in those movies. So I think that this these movies really do a good job of, of change, like fixing that issue. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to, to say that anything was more artificial and fake than those prequels. Um, the blocking feels so stilted, you know. Uh, I still think Rogue One is definitely the best as far as feeling like a real lived-in world. Um, mm-hmm. This last one, they borrowed a lot of sort of the polished look for it. I know that was part of where they were as far as the, you know, the bourgeois society and everything. But... Um, yeah, it's just it's it's always going to be a mix of things. There's always going to be CGI. They do a lot better job, I think, of layering in CGI and effects with practical stuff, so you can't tell where it starts and stops. Whereas, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, it was just here's your foreground and here's your completely fake background. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. I I think they're doing a good job with that. It'll continue to improve. There's still always going to be the uncanny depths. Uncanny is it depths or valley? I think we uncanny, do both. uncanny valley. But yeah. yeah. You know, the the end of Rogue One, of course, where you, you see the oh, young God. Leia and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> cut away, cut away. And then a week later um, she died and you're like, oh, bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
so yeah uh what about you what are some of your favorite uh scenes uh other than the ones we've touched on i you can't top the snoke scene you know i just you just yeah. you can't as far as the like the way it shot the reveal the fact that it pissed off the fanboys that were so convinced they <laughs> knew who Snoke really was, and it's like it doesn't fucking matter, you know that that arrogance that they have about you know predicting this shit, and the arrogance that character had that he could manipulate and control everything, both died at the same time, and I, that's what I love about it. And then of course, then you get the the actual like kick ass you know most kick ass fight scene where there's very little editing, you know it's all just really good blocking, and. You know, they're of course rotating they're like, camera. Great. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're like the ninja version of the Imperial Guards that never did shit before. And you're like, that guy just stands there. He doesn't do shit. What are they guarding? Honestly, <laughs> this guy can shoot fucking. What are they lightning. wearing red for? Just yeah, to match the room? Like, this, this guy's got a fucking got a shower rod wearing a shower curtain. This guy can shoot lightning. Who's really guarding who here? <laughs> yeah, so, no, for sure. Yeah, definitely my, know, I, my favorite scene. Yeah. Another, uh, I'm again stepping all over the trivia, but the, uh, the throne room completely practical the only thing that was cgi in that entire scene was snoke and obviously like the blades of the lightsabers but um, well I thought that was the, pretty cool the, that they the, built the curtain when it burns down i'm guessing they weren't really on fire <laughs> in that moment but uh yeah that was uh yeah the curtain the giant red curtain that surrounds the whole room that catches on fire that literally is like all those like you know pieces oh, of ash uh, and fire falling the whole time was because of the curtain well, I mean, what I've, and again, this is half-assed, you know, research, but what I read, everything in that scene was practical other than Snoke, basically, and the lightsabers. Other than what? Um, but yeah, so um, uh, in terms of uh, favorite quotes, I have a couple. Uh, I love the, the, the interaction between Luke and Kylo on, on when, like, before they fight, you know, did you come to forgive me, say you forgive me to save my soul? And Luke just goes, no, uh, I failed you, Ben. I'm sorry. And then Kylo says, uh, I'm sure you are. The resistance is dead. The war is over. And when I kill you, I will I will have killed the last Jedi. Uh, to which Luke responds, amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. And I will not be the last Jedi, which is such a great fucking like, right. moment. Well, it's... it's- it's also just because he said the same thing to Ray at one point. Yeah, like, what do you, th- what do you think you the force is? I think he just said it was wrong. And I love it, you know, when you, when you talk to like MAGA chuds on Twitter and they'll say four or five things in a row that each one on their own is false. And it's like, wow, I can't, you just every single thing you said was false. Like, you're so fucking wrong. You didn't even get one right. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's fun to oh, have little moments way, like that. Th- that scene you just mentioned, a very underrated, maybe the funniest scene in a Star Wars movie where he's like, all right, reach out and feel the force. And he picks up <laughs> a branch and he's <laughs> oh, it's a like, little, oh, I feel it. I feel it in front of me. It's like, oh, that's like the a force. little palm frond. Yeah, it's hilarious because you're <laughs> just like, a great scene. <laughs> He doesn't take the mythology seriously at this point, and it's no, like that, that. That in and of itself is upsetting to the to the Uber fans too. They're oh, that like, pissed that pissed them off so take, much. They take it so fucking seriously that you you can tell that they really think the Force is what Ray thinks it is and should be that way. And he's like, well, nah, they think it's, it's a religion. It's really they not. think Jedi is really a religion, like that you yeah. should be dogmatic to. And Luke's like, no, this is fucking stupid. Like this is not the way to beat these people. This is not the way to restore balance. Is no. to be you know. Um, so uh the, my one other really uh one other quote i really liked uh when and this is one maybe the one good thing to come from that whole canto bite uh finn diversion 
uh, right when Captain Phasma is about to fall into the pit or whatever, she you know she says to him, "You're always scum," and he goes, "Rebel scum," and then she you yeah. know, falls to her death. <laughs> That's such a badass line. Like it, you know, didn't really mean anything, but just such a great fucking line. That's a good callback to real life because every time somebody's like, "Oh, you Bernie Bros," and it's like, "Uh, excuse me, I prefer dirtbag left." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> really embracing your one. your labels. Um, yeah, well, you know, take it back. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, we had the really going for it award for biggest over actor. I think it, I think this is unquestionably uh, Hux, Admiral Hux, Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, yeah, it felt like two <laughs> kind of Buck Rogers. You know, like really, I don't I remember. Like, if what you is remember. he going for? Like, yeah, it's not good. I think that's Ryan Johnson. When you have a really corny performance like that, though, too. That's the. He wasn't that bad. It wasn't on that level. I mean, the Nazi speech is pretty over the top, but well, that, that's what I'm thinking of. And that was his yeah, big kind of moment but, in the first. But movie. that was scary. Whereas this is just clowning, you know. And it's like it's not the way to open the film for one. I don't know. When you see a corny performance from from an actor, that's the director saying, "I want you to play it like that." So I don't know. Um, I think as far as most over the top, got to be Andy Singer. Just so much grandiose, like would I? Fush, oh, Andy you Circus. What I say, Andy, Andy uh, Singer. The, the guy, I don't know. I was Andy Singer. It's circus. The, the fucking Gollum guy that played Snow. Yeah, no, he did a great job and and sold it. Did, really played it great. But you're just, you know, that moment right before he take he gets chopped in half. He's just so high on his own, on his own Roar. ego. He's <laughs> like. Rawr! Now I used doing this thing, and I'm closing my eyes and not looking at what's right. Fucking next, <laughs> it's like people were joking. Yes. That he sounds like fucking Top Chef, like the Top Chef guy, or like the Hell's Kitchen guy, like the you know this meat is raw. Like he has this yeah. kind of <laughs> over the top. Uh, absurd, I mean, uh, you know, he he does such a great job, and of course he's amazing in Black Panther, where he's just like whoa, just running around. Um, he's basically maniac. the fucking Joker. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's great in Black Panther. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's it's like you kind of wish you could have had more of that, but then it, the whole point is to just snuff him out like he was nothing, you know, and show who the real real power yeah. is. But but he was, so he was a good over actor, but Domhnall Gleeson just I don't I, I wasn't crazy about his performance in general. No, no, um, I mean it had a it, like there, there was a moment there was a point in that film that scene could have been funny, but is the opening scene it was just like wait are we what's what are we doing here you know yeah no a little weird. Um, so some interesting trivia, uh, I touched on a couple of these already, uh, according to Ryan Johnson, the Porgs were the result of puffins being native to Skellig Michael, which is the island where the Octo scenes were filmed. Uh, they were unable to move them as they were a protected species and it would have been too time consuming and expensive to edit them out. So he decided to create a new indigenous species and simply CGI over the puffins. So that's the whole reason that they even exist in the movie. <laughs> Um, well, I, I don't. I don't think they really were like filming and were like, "Oh shit, we can't remove them." I'm sure they were looking for like that because they got to have a cute animal every movie. There's got to well, be a apparent, new well, cute apparently animal, they're fucking but... all over the place on this island. Oh, I know, I, I know. But I, I'm sure but that there's like was a part double, of the initial. Yeah, I was like, oh, research, well, we could sell a not... bunch of these fucking things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I love that the, scene where where Chewie's fucking grilling up, <laughs> grilling up the pork. Oh, the there's one, like, the other animal rights thing. Yeah. like like um, what's his name? Clerks guy said Chewbacca goes vegan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also like you fucking cooked it. You might as well eat it. Don't waste it. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> well, it's it's someone's mother. You can't eat someone's family in front of them when they got all the big. Give it a proper eyes, little burial, you know? like the the, the, the uh, roasted pork. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was the theory was that the one that goes with him the whole time you know and when he orphaned yeah exactly and he feels bad so now he's it's he's at the the surrogate mom that uh, it's imprinted on him now so it'd be it's, fun it's, to see what it's they sweet do to think later. about yeah it's yeah to think about that um when filming laura derms laura dern said pew every time she shot her blaster yeah uh, although <laughs> although not audible uh one such instance even made it into the finished film it can yeah, be noticed you can, in the you can see it yeah yeah. When she's stunning them, uh, you know, in the in that bridge scene, you can notice her doing it. <laughs> Pretty funny. And I also read apparently like uh, Hayden Christensen and uh, uh, Obi Wan, uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, had a hard time not making lightsaber noises when they were dueling each other. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think it's just true. a weird thing. You you take we take it for granted the way you you see it is with all these things added in. But I guess maybe as an actor, you have to like envision it and maybe you kind of subconsciously just do it right well especially when it's physical because it's like you there's you shoot a gun whether it's a fucking real gun or a laser blaster like there should be some kind of recoil there should be some you know? yeah exactly and Noise in your and... brain you know you know when that moment happens because you're moving your arm you're acting it or when you're swinging a fucking laser sword it's supposed to be hitting something right and you can't act that if you don't mentally think here's the sound it makes when it here's the exact point that it happens so i think that's just it's also fun just the idea that like grown adults still like they're basically playing like little kids you know yeah, i think that's really yeah, yeah. really heartwarming that they can't divorce themselves <laughs> from their their little kidness in that sense yeah i like that um uh, skywalker's rationale for exiling himself on the island was that the jedi were not helping and were instead uh, perpetuating the cycle of Jedi and Sith, uh, they needed to go away so that a new light could rise from a more worthy source, uh, according to Ryan Johnson. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that kind of explains what we were talking about uh, earlier about like him just kind of breaking the cycle. I, I, but I, I think that's, you know, just a, a plain text reading for people who still didn't fully get that from from kind of what he was saying to Ray. Yeah, it's not really trivia. It's more just like, hey, in yeah. case you couldn't get this, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think this movie is trying to say? I mean, we already touched on kind of the the the, the leftist themes, like of of class issues, and you know, yeah. I mean, I don't think rights, it's a leftist like theme. No, I don't so think much. it's, it's, it's just... purely a left. But there were, I think, you know, he inserted where he could things from yeah, his personal life. I, I guess if you are. Yeah, I guess if you're like very on the right, you would say it's left wing, but it's like, you know, it's just it's the world coming together to fight the Nazis. That's really all sure. it is. Yeah. And and also looking at what gives rise to Nazis, which is, you know, like the prequels were very on the nose about here's how, um, you know, people t- take over a democracy and, and subvert it and create an empire in the first place. There's six so hours of fucking you know, techno babble about uh, parliamentary government and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Those fucking trade embargoes don't fuck around. That's how you. That's oh, how you God. start a war. <laughs> I can't um, believe that whole fucking thing was about. Like that whole prequel trilogy was based around like a trade war, essentially. It had to start somewhere. It had to start yeah. from like a place of not war, but you know, some level it's, of um, you know adversarial relationship. And what does that in real life? 
mostly economics. You know, how does economics yeah. uh, go from a um, you know a tariff to an embargo to a blockade to a full on war? Well, that's that's how a lot of that's how the U.S. and Japan started going to war. That's, that's why Japan attacked us because we right. yeah. Yeah, we were, you know, they were already invading other countries, but, you know, whatever. Um, This movie is trying to say too many different things. It's trying to say, like, the whole world's unjust, whether it's the, the, you know, rebels or the empire. Like, there's injustice that goes beyond both of that, which is true. Like, whether there is Trump or there is the resistance to Trump, um, the systemic problems were always there before, right? So I'm glad they're trying to expand that world. I felt like they hit it on on the nose a little too hard with this. You could have said it a little more subtly, but, you know, they're trying to set up something bigger. And and there's got to be a sense of right and wrong in order to have heroes going to great lengths and sacrificing themselves and other people's lives to fight a greater evil, right? So they do have to explain why it is there's a war in the stars in the first place. So I get that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I'm I'm very curious to see what happens in episode nine because you know JJ is back writing and directing, and <laughs> he's gonna fuck with nervous. the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gonna... no, all of a sudden there'll be fucking polar bears on Octo. <laughs> like, you know. Suddenly, um, suddenly no, uh, the the dead Chekhov's gonna show up in this universe, and you're like, wait a minute, what is this merging? You can't have the whole space, JJ. You can't have Star Wars and Star Trek. It's not yeah, know, fair. Right? Um, my hope is that he, cause I, I, I largely liked force awakens. I, I have complaints about it being too nostalgic and too fan servicey. I, I hope that he takes cues from what Ryan did and then, then just kind of adds his kind of movie magic on top of it. And, and I hope he takes together. Yeah. I hope he takes cues from Gareth Edwards rogue one. Cause I felt like that, like hit so many things. Perfect. Where, it felt like the first real Star Wars for grown-ups, not because of that, oh, it's the first real Star Wars about war. Well, that's that's absurd, but it was the first one that cut all the cheese away, <laughs> made you feel that, right, it made you feel like these characters are not perfect and likable in every way, that, like, here's here's the good guy killing his informant. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, now we're, yeah. now we're fucking talking. These people have huge levels of regret and guilt and and feelings of real loss not just oh my planet blew up but now i'm going to feel sad 10 minutes later about your your friend that you knew for less than two days you know like what about my whole family and the the eight billion people i used to live on my home world with they're gone but now i'm supposed to go feel bad about your your dead sensei that you knew for like less than a week I don't know. I, I, think, I really, yeah, sorry. I, I just hope that they, they go more in that direction. Yeah. Um, with then, in less, less cheese, more serious tone. He was actually well. attached to episode nine at one point, Gareth Edwards. And then I guess, yeah. he, you know, got pulled away. He's a, he's a great director though. I loved the, the 2014 Godzilla that he did. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really interested to see what's happening yeah. with the, with the Brian, Brian Cranston had a good cameo in that. Oh yeah, so that was a little, that was a little, that was a little bait and switchy, but you know, it was, it was, it, was, yeah. it, it made sense. I mean, it was fine. I was like, yeah. it, you kind of wasted like one of the great modern actors of all time though in that movie. Well, you know, Brian Cranston coming out of, out of, uh, you know, Breaking, Breaking Dead, Walking Bad, whatever the fuck, whatever, uh, kind of got to pick what and do whatever he wanted to, and he kind of just wanted to do like a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah. Rather than just do, you know, so it was kind of like, yeah, hey, I'll I'll be in the the opening ten minutes of a movie and get killed off. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, episode nine, I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, 
you know, and the future of the franchise obviously is a little bit in flux now because Solo didn't do great at the box office, so they canceled. Well, they put on hold a lot of their in-between movies. Like, they, yeah. I, they, I don't think they're developing well, anything in between now, the main ones. Well, what they should I, learn is that instead of making a bunch of spinoffs about younger, you know, young version, you know, whatever, just just do the Ewan McGregor trilogy, you know? Like, that's... Yeah, I'd be down for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the fans want. That's all they want is to have a He's whole He's the only one young enough to play like the in-between time because he can't do that yeah. with Luke. He can't play the younger, but Ewan can no. play the in-between time between the, the, the prequels and the sequ- and the, they, you know, the originals. They have, you know, hot beefcake Ewan McGregor middle-aged and, you know, they explain the age discrepancy where he suddenly gets, like, way older looking, even though he's almost <laughs> only about 15 years younger than, than uh, what's his name? Um, oh, and he just gets, like, hit by a bolt of lightning and, you know, prematurely aged right at the last second, right before he meets Luke Skywalker. Works for Palpatine, sorry. Exactly. You just get shocked hard <laughs> enough and it puts years onto your fucking skin. Like, you smoke a pack a day all of a sudden. Um, yeah. yeah, I just I, I feel I, like that was the way to go. I hope that, and I didn't see Solo yet, and I actually do want to see it, and I'm sure it wasn't bad, but I, th- I hope they learn the lesson that Star Wars shouldn't just be about pushing the nostalgia button. It should be about moving the story forward and creating interesting characters and interesting dynamics and things like that. And that's, you know, where, you know, the thing about why Rogue One was probably the most successful of all the uh, Solo movies is because it wasn't about, you know, it it wasn't somebody trying to play Harrison Ford or it wasn't something like that. Like it, it just had these new interesting characters and an interesting, you know, story. And my only criticism with Ro- of Rogue One, and it's not something that I could have avoided, is that we knew the ending. Um, and so I really do hope with the future, like solo movies or whatever they do in between, you know, the main movies or whatever Ryan Johnson's thing is going to be, is that it's unpredictable and that it's not just like, Hey, you know that th- this is how Han Solo gets the Millennium Falcon, and this is him making the Kessel Run, and this is you know. I know. I, it's, it's, I think that's they, like useless. They're ruining as the mythology at that point. You know, like here's what the Golden Dice mean now, and it's like I didn't give a shit. I <laughs> yeah, want there I to be mysteries fucking, left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, don't I know, he probably the, bought it at a fucking you know thrift yeah. shop. Like I never. The, you know. the thing that Rogue, Rogue One did so well was it was like, well, why is Darth Vader so fucking scary? Why are these people so terrified at the beginning of of you know, of episode yeah. four. And you get to see what happened right before then. You're like, oh man, that hall of fucking death scene, uh, which wasn't even in the original script. Uh, that was the editor. They added and, it like uh, really Kathleen late, Kennedy think, right? added, added it. They shot it only three weeks before the fucking movie got released. And it was like the icing on the cake. You're like, holy shit. Finally, we get to see the most badass villain actually be the most of it badass villain where he's just, you know, fucking slicing people and cutting them apart and there's nothing could stop Force him. choking um, and throwing them and like, it, yeah, it was like, a dope I'm scene. Force slam someone to the scene and then slice them in half. Oh God. Like I, it feels like it goes on forever, but it's uh, actually only like 20 seconds and it's the best 20 seconds of star Wars ever. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Um, he must've really yeah. tired himself out though. And that's, scene because then almost immediately after and then you know he's he's a fucking slow moving asthmatic you know oh, doesn't well, do much but slow moving there too he's just they can't go anywhere else so they, they did a good job of, yeah 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 um, um but yeah so uh what would you rate this movie out of five uh hammer and sickles our, our, our um, traditional uh, metric i'd give it uh i'll give it three and a half hammers and sickles just because 
you know, I mean, it is Star Wars. It's not. Uh, it didn't have the impact on me that that the last two new ones did. But I think that you know, the more I've gone back and watched it, the more I've liked it too. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe once the the third one comes out, we'll go. Oh, this was the perfect bridge to set up. You know what? How sure. they started yeah. this and how they ended it, and possibly how they set up this. You know, the whole this whole other trilogy. Maybe it's kind of like that. The the Lynch. The, you know, the keystone where looking back years from now, we'll go, oh, they did all these things right. We just didn't know what they were setting us up for yet. Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I would actually, I'd go a little higher. I'd probably give it about four uh, hammer and sickles. I, I you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, some of the things it did better than any of the other Star Wars movies that came before it in terms of the, uh, the main storyline, at least. Um, you know, I had some criticisms, but I think largely... It took chances, which, you know, I don't think Force Awakens took a lot of chances. I think that'd be my biggest critique yeah. of Force Awakens is that it was a very safe uh, fan servicey movie, which this was fucking not at all a fan servicey movie. Yeah. Um, if you like the last one, you're going to fucking hate it. <laughs> if you like the last one, you're a fucking <laughs> piece of shit and you should feel bad about it. No. Um, so, but yeah, but I liked it and I think it sets up interesting things. Uh, I hope, you know, I hope episode nine doesn't undo all the shit that ryan johnson did just kind of like this one did for the <laughs> force awakens um and i hope that you know the that they, that this isn't the end of all these character sagas because i actually think that the characters created in force awakens are really you know in, in a lot of cases well fleshed out characters that you've kind of right. you know raise a great character i think uh yeah, I, I think they just they separated the great characters who we got used to seeing together, you know, and yeah, it wasn't Rain the Finn. yeah, and, and just it was. I know they're trying to do too many things here, and that's what I think it ultimately struggles from is is too much expectation to be the same and do something different and have it all make a jillion dollars and serve the fans, but also yeah, it's a machine. Appeal it's very to hard audience. to. Yeah, and you know, it's just um it's very hard to make something on that scale and please everybody. I don't know how the Marvel movies have done it where they have set up movie after movie sets up the next movie sets up the next movie. And you know what? Not all of them are that it's, good. Like some of them are not great. Still, the Marvel movies. I mean, but no, but that they, they compared largely, to the DC oh, movies. God, yeah. still, well, I mean, that's not even a fucking that's Zack uh, yeah. Snyder's fault mostly, but yeah, I mean the you know, the the Marvel movies, even the bad ones, are not like awful. Like even like <laughs> Thor: The Dark World is not like an unwatchable movie. It's just like, eh, this is well, kind of lame. And it, or it, Avengers: Age the, of Ultron. You the know? thing that those movies do is that they're goofy and fun, but all the jokes fucking land, you know. And so many of the goofy jokes in Star Wars don't land right, and you're just like, eh, that was obnoxious and distracting. Yeah, I, I don't know how they do it so well, but Marvel, you know, the goofy fun moments just have so much heart. And authenticity. I think to Kevin it. Feige has a lot to do with it. He kind of oversees yeah. the whole. You know, he yeah. he's, he he really well, maybe, knows what he's doing. Maybe they can have him do a little bit of punch up with these scripts that seem to have jokes that just make you go what? <laughs> a little In the Star Wars times, universe. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, uh, I I think it's a good. Uh, it, it was a good a good bridge for this this new generation of Star Wars movies. So hopefully, uh, the next one doesn't fuck it up. And come on, JJ, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> don't do what you usually do to certain friends you know like i i, I, I like i like some of the stuff jj's done but some of it's like dude what the fuck like well he's very he, hit or miss he, yeah he did direct the best mission impossible 
uh, movie, which was the one with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy. Oh, I fucking love Mission Impossible Three. Such I've a never, good movie. Yeah, I've never been so scared by a PG thirteen movie, and I credit that to JJ and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in that movie is tremendous. Like as a bit, like he's just such a fucking like calm but like sadistic motherfucker. You're like, oh, this fucking yeah. guy. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's a great scary. Yeah. Um maybe, maybe so we can uh re- we can uh do mission about Impo- the politics of mission impossible <laughs> 3 sometime. Man, Philip Seymour Hoffman really fucking doesn't like Ethan Hunt. I don't um yeah, we could do the politics of MI6 and shit. Yeah. I just want to um, say I just want to say the word rabbit's foot over and over and over. That's all I want from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh you know, I, uh, we're going to get out of here, but I I, you know, uh, I do want to say, if you still listen to this whole cast and listen to the kind of stuff we've talked about and but why we like the movie and the things like that, and you still don't get it, just try watching it a second time if you've only seen it the one time in theaters. I, I think it, it really plays a lot better the second time you watch it. Um, and uh, if you like what you hear, you know, we do a regular show every Friday uh, where we talk politics. Obviously, we're, we're pretty, pretty uh, far left, if you couldn't tell, if this is the first time you're listening to us. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's true. We're a bunch of commies over here, so come yeah. join the show. Come join the main show. Come check us out. Uh, we talk some shit, uh, and you can find us on iTunes, uh, where you can rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. I'm... Uh, oh, also we're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots. Uh, I'm at move underscore left on Twitter. Comrade is frozen right now, but he is at uh, chaos riot 1999. Uh, and we will see you next time. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas and met Jar Jar and Boss Nass. We took a bongo from the scene and we went to feed to see the Queen. We all wound up on tattooing. That's where we found this boy. Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye. Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Did you know this junkyard slave Isn't even old enough to shave But he can use the force, they say Do you see him hitting on the queen Though he's just nine and she's fourteen Yeah, he's probably gonna marry her
like to stay we all fought in that epic war and it wasn't long at all before little hot shot flew his plane and saved the day and in the end some gungans died some ships blew up and some pilots fried a lot of folks were croaking the battle droids were broken and the Jedi I admire most Met up with Darth Maul and now he's toast well, I'm still here and he's a ghost I guess I'll train this boy And I was singing My, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry and he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi We were singing My, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi 